The renderings were a lie, Barry. This week, Don Iveson called complaining a, quote, summer sport in Edmonton. Well, I've got an Olympic gold medal and oh, Donnie boy, do I have opinions. We'll talk about the library. Yeah, that's right. It's about the library. Bike lane names and council ward offices. Troy from the future here. Nope, we didn't talk about ward offices. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 47 the we're behind the times edition typically we're something of a newsmaker in edmonton just because no one covers this garbage um that's just us this week the bbc covered some of the stuff so we're across the pond we're going to be doing some catch-up and giving some hot takes and maybe breaking some new stuff i did journalism this week so that's a change but as always we got to start it off with the lowest point of journalistic integrity, the rapid fire segment. <laughs> the most entertaining part of our show. When the UCP government didn't commit to funding Calgary flood mitigation during the campaign, many were concerned about the potential catastrophic events that might be forthcoming. However, this week, the UCP government officially enacted Bill 111, colloquially known as the Just Send All the Rain to Edmonton, Oranges Need Rain Bill. The city of Edmonton has paid a $14,600 fine and will contribute about $150,000 total between three environmental projects after it pled guilty to spraying a federally controlled herbicide in the residential neighborhood of Haddo in May 2016. The city, however, confirmed that the offending herbicide, Hivar XL, is no longer in use by the city for any reason. Uh, when asked why, Gord Sebrick, deputy city manager, responded, Don't need a herbicide when all the plants are dead from all the calcium chloride raffle. Strong currents required Edmonton fire rescue crews to evacuate around 300 people off of the Edmonton riverboat Saturday night, as strong currents prevented it from getting back to dock. The evacuation took over six hours, though due to the alcohol on board, some passengers took a bit of time to notice. Alcohol is prohibited in council chambers, however, so unfortunately, we had nothing to dull the pain of our infinity of Edmonton city councillors evacuating endless amounts of hot air. We do this for you. Please subscribe. We heard inside. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. And we want to tell you about ATB because they power the network and they can power your business. If you're building your business, but you feel like you're at a crossroad, ATBX is a program that supports Alberta entrepreneurs. It's for people ready to disrupt and define their industries. It's an incubator. It's an accelerator. It's ATBX. And they're gearing up to formally launch here in Edmonton, but they've already started a summer event series called Level Up, covering business topics from culture to cash flow. And you can check it out at Work Nicer every Wednesday evening at 6.15 p.m. until the end of August. You can learn more at atb.com slash atbx. So, Mac, we've got some international news to cover on the podcast today, and we're going to break down this library snafu. We're going to call it a snafu. It's not a rigmarole just yet or a boondoggle, It's but it's a snafu. Could it be a kerfuffle? Mm, yes. I heard the mayor use that word today, so that's uh, well, why I'm not about this, about something else, but... Okay, we might call it a kerfuffle, and we'll get into what specific word aptly describes it, but I think we need to get everyone on the same page. What... What is going on here? What's up? All right. So we're talking about the Stanley A. Milner Library. This is the downtown branch. It opened in 1967, of course. It was closed in uh, on December 31st, 2016 for renovation. So there was this renewal project. Uh, the original budget for this project was $62.5 million. That later increased to $69 million and then ballooned to $84.5 million. 
10 million of that is supposed to come from community and, and fundraising. And according to the EPL website, they've still at the end of 2018 raised just 85% of their fundraising goal. So they don't even have all the money for this. And I'm sure it'll come much faster now. Much faster now, of course. Yep. Um, the It's in the news this week, which is a little bit surprising to me because had you walked downtown at any point over the last four or five months, you would have seen this thing that looked like a yacht. And people did comment about this on social media in the past. I think what happened this week is the intersection reopened and some of the um, fencing around the building was removed and it's maybe a little bit easier now to photograph and to to view the building. And it's safe to say that most people are not impressed. There were memes abound and the most apt one is, you know, this is the Tinder profile photo and this is who shows up to the date. Right. It's not what we believe that we were promised. And you're definitely right. The inclinations of this have been going over and around for several months now. Yeah. But the combination of the new intersection opening and the fences coming down, and it was the one Twitter user just getting the clear shot from the northwest West, corner yep, yep. that, like, sold at home. This is not what we were asked for, and, like... It is close to being done and it looks nothing like the renderings. Well, just let's add to that context. I think the other reason that people are so passionate about this right now is because Calgary's new central downtown library opened not that long ago. And lots of people have seen it either in person or on social media. It's a beautiful building. I've Mm -hmm. been there a handful of times already. I love it. It's beautifully designed. Um, It's a real standout building. It's really cool to me that the LRT goes right underneath. Very tight integration with the LRT. Very nice integration for sure. And and so then you get this new downtown library in Edmonton, this renovation, you get a, a clear look at it finally. And it's like, wait a minute how come Calgary's is so nice and ours looks like this? And then the other bit of context I would add is that the other branches of Edmonton Public Library are actually mostly beautiful branches, especially all the most recent ones. Like they've won awards, urban design awards here in Edmonton, but also awards, you know, beyond Edmonton for the Jasper Place branch, for the work on the Meadows Rec Center, that, you know, some of the other new branches that have been renovated or, or, or built new in the last few years, they're beautiful buildings. And so then it's like our, our downtown, our signature branch looks like a tank you know i think people that's another reason people are more annoyed than they would have been you know if all the other branches were ugly too the first segment that i want to talk about is we've got this downtown section and it's it's existing on the corner on the same lot that it always sort of existed on the old stanley milner it was the brutalist structure it was a square building that was clearly on that lot yeah we were revitalizing that building and just using the same bones Bones, which turned out to be very poor bones, uh, adding another $30 million to the budget. But the new library is sort of constrained in that regard. It feels sort of closed off. And one of the criticisms was the architecture and the dark grays make the building seem sort of unappealing and uninviting. And I think that's a very apt criticism, especially with the footprint of the site. You need to make it appealing because you're already dealing with the site concerns. It is on a corner separated by roads it doesn't feel like it's part of the square it doesn't feel like it's part of the citadel area it's it's its own thing just on the on the its own thing idea do you think though that in a few years maybe we'll look at it and say actually this square is really interesting because we've got very very different buildings we have the pyramids of city hall we've got this crazy design on the art gallery on the other corner now we've got this building here that looks a bit I don't know, like a tank or whatever. Do you think we'll get past this? Oh, just on just on the architecture piece. So my hot take is that I actually like the building. Oh, okay. So um, 
I can argue that definitely this building is not what we asked for, yeah. not what we should have gotten, and represents a trash process from everyone involved. And we can talk about the debacle of how they've defended Absolutely. this. Absolutely. I think the end result is, yeah, we're actually going to have a pretty nice downtown okay. overall. The caveat being, we have to see how it behaves in winter. It's a very dark building, and in winter we've already got this like dark drab dreary edmonton for you know six seven months of the year if we have another drab building that might not be great if it turns out okay it will have been by accident and that should be as scathing an indictment on everyone right. involved as possible okay so you've mentioned dark a couple of times so let's talk about the lights for a minute mm-hmm uh, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to mention Lauren Gunter in a positive light on our podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> he said, those must be some amazing lights. If, you know, because the reaction uh, from Pilar Mart- Martinez from the public library, and I think from one of the counselors too, is like, the lights aren't on yet, guys. Like, you can't criticize the building. The lights aren't on. And it's like, really? Are the lights going to save this? Um, I mean, no. <laughs> it's just like, no. Uh, the big criticisms... If you look at some of the renderings and do sort of one-to-one comparisons, which the picture in the northwest corner allows us to do, right. there's massive missing windows. In the architectural designs, you see these windows are like a feature. They're striking windows that really you can see into the library from outside and you see outside from inside the library. Right. The result is like we have a haphazard, very ship-like, you know, the tiny port windows. Right. The windows almost seem like an accident. Oh, like we should add vent holes to this box that we're, you know, heat trapping people in. And the city has argued that some are still covered by sure. various forms of plastic. And I'll give them a bit of a benefit out there, but we can see some of the windows. And especially the northwest corner used to be this striking feature window that's no longer there. And that's bad. I want to jump over to... You mentioned Pilar Martinez, the CEO of EPL, and she had several comments in the media this week. I think it's really important to look at some of those comments in context. So this this story, as it evolved this week, this show in my head has changed so many times. The original rendition of the show was going on about how this was another failing of Edmonton City Council to show any modicum of leadership or to hold contractors accountable or to control their administration in any way. And it's still a little bit about that, but I likened it back to the high-level bridge. It's a very poignant example. A couple years ago, we had the suicide barriers going up on the high-level bridge. We had a rendering that had nice, curved, almost translucent barriers that were half the size of what we got. Yep. What we got was basically prison bars, and they're very hostile, destroyed the view and made it narrower, made it narrower, made it unsafe. And at that point in time, Don Iveson, in a really bad look, went to the media and said, I'm sick of being lectured by the cyclists about this. We needed to get this done. And this is what happened. So I reached out to some counselors and said, hey, this library, it feels like high level bridge with 30 times the budget, 30 times the stakes. Counselor Henderson did not respond to me in time for press time but mckean gave me a call uh yesterday morning the counselor for the for the counselor for ward six who was uh epl's library's counselor he had some comments about the library specifically which we'll get to but i posed the question about hey is this a repeat of the high level bridge and he said well no um and the reason it wasn't is he basically faults city council for the high level bridge. He says that that's sort of on us. Yep. And the reason that the high level bridge scenario happened was 
council really needed to take action because suicide's a pretty important issue. The mayor personally knows several people who have tragically taken their lives on that bridge. So they heard some very impassioned speakers at committee and they said, this option, do it, go. And they didn't want to hear any discussion. They weren't open to debate. They weren't open to slowing the process. They needed to get it done now. And that led to them sort of brashly overlooking some pretty obvious concerns in hindsight. That's his explanation for the high-level bridge and why the comparison doesn't make sense. We might have a similar outcome in this, but it's not the same failing that led to this. So if it's not city council's fault, who did he blame? Well, he was very tactful not to blame anyone and he very much towed Iveson's line of lights aren't on it's going to be a gorgeously programmed space and i sorry counselor i sort of tuned you out a little bit it, it was some talking points the thing that we've seen most this week right is people uh are quite keen to say never judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. which is both poignant in that it's a library and wrong in every way and you really should dumb. stop saying yeah, yeah stop absolutely that. <laughs> that's the point of architecture but what he did say which sent me on another path was that the epl board should have had control over this project hmm. and that was just a sort of one-off comment and i'm like yeah who did have the ownership of this project and from everything i can find so far the epl board was fully in charge of this project from start to finish. They had the project management of this. Right. So the city gave them, you know, a chunk of around $60 million, a yep. big funding. Yep. But EPL, which is fully part of the city, but we know how the left hand talks to the right hand in the city of Edmonton. EPL was in control. And then you had Pilar Martinez, the CEO of EPL, going into the journal and saying, when we heard that there was negative response to this design, all of our staff were frankly shocked. Yeah. This is exactly what we asked for. Everyone is sort of targeting their anger at city council and, you know, at administration and, oh, how can the city bungle another project? But we love the EPL. The EPL is great. The EPL program space. How can we blame the library? Look at all these. It's the library's fault. We love libraries. 100% all on EPL is where I'm putting the blame on this project. Um... And maybe that's a hot take, but the big indictment is EPL has a media team. If you go to the Milner redevelopment site right now, you can see renderings, which are the old fantastical renderings of what the Milner would look like. The EPL board made a conscious decision about a year and a half ago when they discovered structural issues in the facility that we're going to change our focus. We're going to focus on the interior and they made an active decision to cut back on the exterior flourishes and the design and they got updated renderings which they didn't share with the public. They didn't announce to the public. And they didn't update that website. They didn't update the website. Even after all this, they still haven't updated the website. It is a scathing indictment that the EPL either through incompetence or or through malicious vindictiveness towards taxpayers' contributions, did not release any of this information because on some level, I think they knew that the backlash would occur. Why are we giving you another $30 million over your budget Mm -hmm. for you to make a worse product on our premier square is what people were going to reasonably say and what they are saying now. And I think the EPL wanted to get to a point where, eh, too late, nothing we can do anymore. So... That's my take, is that the EPL is solely at fault here. 
I mean, one of the other things she said is that they realized, she says, quote, we realized that if we wanted to do a renovation, we wanted to do something that customers were going to really experience an impact from, not just a facade. You know, this kind of speaks to the story that we've heard a little bit this week, that the inside of the building is where they decided to focus their efforts and they had to cut from the exterior to make sure that the inside of the building would be great. Do you think maybe they just convinced themselves that people would forgive any outside changes once they see the inside and it becomes this great, you know, functional and 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 beautiful indoor space maybe and i think this is where some of the conflict of interest and where council can take some of the blame the fact that the epl seemed to have unilateral authority on this project there's some bias there the epl wants to make the best space for epl yeah and if they have a limited number of dollars they want programmable space that make the libraries great placemaking that's not the epl's concern building a great city that aligns with city's guiding vision documents that's a city problem if city council had veto and had discussions and was aware of these updating renderings and also didn't release them, then it's an indictment on city council. They're sure. complicit in this. I'll call it a cover up. I'm comfortable. <laughs> We're going to call it Bibliotankgate. Oh, I like it. That could be the complicity of city council here. But I don't necessarily fault EPL for making a board decision of if we've got this limited number of dollars, let's make the best use of programmable space. Right. I do fault them for hiding it from the public. And that's a really inappropriate stewardship of taxpayer dollars. Well, and for the reaction that they provided to the response, mm -hmm. right? Instead of like, we hear you or... Yeah. Anything aside from immediate defense. We were shocked to see this response because we have seen the updated renderings. We realize now we were lackadaisical in sharing those. We apologize. Here's a press release showing all that we know right. so that we're all on the same page. Right. And even they still haven't done that, which shows to me that a cover-up still occurring on this. They they realize they've done wrong and that their media team hasn't been doing what they need to be doing. And they're not really making any efforts to rectify that or repair that relationship. Did you like the tweet? The EPL.ca tweet? I did. I loved the tweet. Yeah. The EPL has been on point and it makes it very hard to blame the EPL. And it's very insidious because I've had to convince myself several times to find fault with an organization that I frankly love. Yeah, the EPL is great. Okay, uh, let's move on. Two more things I want to cover on yes. this. One is architecture. Mm -hmm. So you talked to Scott McKean a little bit about that. What did he say? Yeah, so Scott McKean had a couple really interesting comments, mainly that there's a little bit of don't judge a book by its cover, and he was keeping to those talking points, but also don't judge a thought by its first impression. So sure. he likened it to City Hall, which he said he frankly doesn't really like the architecture of City Hall. And he liked the original designs of City Hall, which instead of the pyramids were some pillars that were supposed to architecturally uh, symbolize teepees. And it was changed to sort of architecturally represent mountains because of a bunch of public backlash. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's an example of a change that, you know, these pyramids are now... They're landmark. People right. people do love these. And the art gallery itself, Andrew Knack has gone on social media this week saying, I hate the art gallery, but a lot of people love the art gallery. And there's a lot of merit to the quirkiness of our downtown, where we have this smattering of buildings that don't really go together. Ice District, the arena, it's all it all feels very different. Yeah. There's a sort of like magical appeal to that. He did quote the pretty famous Mordecai Rickler quote, which is that downtown Edmonton is a used building lot. <laughs> and getting these sort of like flagship in interesting buildings can combat that and we can be less sort of Russian brutalist. Whether the tank 
necessarily combats that. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. Um, but he did say that maybe in a couple years we'll have moved on and this will all be fine. Well, we, I'm sure we will have moved on. Um, the EPL did get a little bit of support, obviously, not just from council, but from administration as well. And mm-hmm. so Carol Belanger, who's Edmonton City Architect, said they're happy with the building and its progress and said, while the cladding isn't complete, you know, there's the skylights and there's going to be these colored glass windows. And you're going to see that with the, you know, the EPL logo when, when the building is done. And he said that, you know, the zinc cladding is not a low end cladding. It was always supposed to be that. And it's incorrect to say that Edmonton cheaped out. And then the final thing he said, I think kind of speaks to your conversation with McKean a little. He says, uh, the one thing about architecture is you definitely don't want to be ignored. And it's not being ignored. That's for sure. I think the important things to remember at this point is one, there's nothing we can do about this. This is, for better or worse, a done deal. And once again, we're going to have to learn our lessons from this. I think it's really interesting to look back at the history of the Milner mm. and the City of Edmonton archives. They're, they posted a Twitter thread right. of the original Milner before we became the Brutalist Box. There's this phenomenally gorgeous building with massive columns and it's very Grand Central Station-esque look. Yeah. And the response from everyone is like, hey, why did we demolish that? We should have kept that one. Tristan Hopper, who, let's be honest, doesn't always have the greatest takes. He was on Twitter this week saying, hey, maybe if we didn't demolish all of our flagship buildings every 30 years and start afresh, we might have a better city and better spend our money. And it's hard to argue with that, especially considering all the marble and gorgeous finishing materials on the old Royal Alberta Museum. That's kind of just gone. Just sitting there. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah. You had some final thoughts on Iveson. Yeah. So the mayor spoke about this obviously this week and he was quick to defend it Mm -hmm. just as he was with the high level bridge, as you mentioned. Um, And he said, quote, I know criticism is a summer sport here in Edmonton. And so people indulge, but I'm going to wait until it's done. And especially until people get inside before passing final judgment, end quote. I think the big loser this week is Iveson. Iveson comes out solely with a really bad look, specifically because, like I said, this is reminiscent of the high level bridge. Mm -hmm. And he made the don't lecture me comments, which he then retracted and apologized later. And I get it. This is a bit of a lighthearted joke. Criticism is a summer sport. But this podcast started last summer when we were criticizing administration for boneheaded decisions that weren't following city guiding documents or following the plans that we'd have established. And we have a library being built for $90 million that didn't follow the city guiding documents or the plans that we established. And Iveson sardonically chastises us for complaining. Not a good look, Mr. Mayor. I I don't agree with that at all. Completely agreed. The criticism is not unfounded, fun as it may be. The final thing, and we just have to address this, don't judge a book by its cover. If you are making this argument on Twitter, stop. It's a dumb argument. The point of architecture is to have a gorgeous book to make inviting structures that both intrigue the people, the eyes of the people on the street, because the architecture isn't just for the people inside the building. That building becomes part of the broad space in the square on the street beside. And when you have shoddy architecture, you have ruined that bigger room of the street. Um, so just don't just don't do that. Uh, the, the cover of the book, really important. 
Okay, are we done with the library, I think Mac? we're good with the library. I think we're good. Um, we have a couple other things to cover. Quickly, it's worth mentioning that council did vote to approve the bylaw change for e-scooters in Edmonton. That's right. Yeah, we talked about this previously. The bylaw went before council this week, and this means now the city can begin issuing permits to service providers. Uh, Lime just launched in Calgary. They had 600 uh, scooters, I think, uh, out on Calgary streets over the weekend. And so now that's possible to happen here in Edmonton. Councillor Knack said he knows of two companies waiting in the wings to get going. I imagine that's Lime and Bird. Mm-hmm. Only two companies that people have been talking about on this. Uh, scooters will be allowed on roads that have a 50 kilometer an hour speed limit. So I don't know what happens in January when we change this, but whatever. Um, they're also not designed to be you know, able to go that fast in the first place. And users will not have to have a license, but will have to be at least 16 years old. Two things that I want to mention is scooters must be rate limited to 18 kilometers an hour. That feels okay when you first think about it. Yeah. 18 kilometers an hour is really slow. Really slow. You can like briskly jog 18 kilometers an hour. I don't love that, but we'll we'll see how it goes. And it's probably a conservative thing. We can up it later, but we can't really decrease it later. Right. The other thing is that McKean, bad takes all around this week. This was interesting. Yeah. yeah what, what was he quoted as saying? He said, quote, I don't think there's a true mobility function to e-scooters. I think they're a toy. They're fun. My concern is we're throwing these toys into context with cars and trucks and buses all around. Wrong. It was super interesting that you had Councillor Knack talking this week about, you know, last mile, last kilometer, whatever you want to call it, and sort of another option for people to move around. And then you have McKean saying they're a toy. We have a downtown that is chronically underserved by transit. We got rid of the free LRT in the downtown, which Calgary has still. And we need the ability for someone who's having a lunch seven blocks away to get there and back to work in time to have lunch and still have that hour lunch break. E-scooters do that. If you want a vibrant downtown, this is how you do it. To hear this from the downtown counselor of all people, I can understand a nickel or a cartmel or a Zadik calling <laughs> that this was a toy. Coming. Yeah. Um, McKean, it, it baffles the mind. Um, I did get an on-the-record comment uh, from him on the call. Yes. He said, you know... Maybe we'll look back in this in 10 years and either change it or we'll love it. Uh, That'll be a problem for the council of the day. And I said, is this an on the record confirmation that you won't be on city council in 10 years? And he's like, I will be a vegetable in a nursing home in 10 years. (laughs) 10 years is a long time from now, to be fair. (laughs) Um, I want to move on again quickly to the city hating e-scooters notwithstanding. E-scooters notwithstanding, because we're going to have the toys everywhere, which is a very fun-loving atmosphere. Yeah. For those who are cyclists, we've affectionately called the 102 Ave bike lane the Oliver Bond. The 83rd Ave lane, it was contentious about what exactly we'd call it, but I think there's broadly in the past couple months been a bit of a consensus on the Garskona Strass. You know, it's yeah. Garno, Strathcona, Strass being the German word for street. I have to mention this. So when you walk down 102nd Avenue and you look at the signs along the bike lane, they actually say Oliver Bond on them. Yeah. And I did not know that those weren't actually put there by the city. It's some high quality vandalism. Yes, it is. It is very <laughs> high quality and very tactful. Yeah, vandalism. it looked great. Like it looked like it should have been there. And it was so fun. Been up there for months. Right. All, the Oliver Bond. The first photo I've seen of the Garskonastras okay. signed was taken by Olga Messinis, who, you know, the steward of the downtown bike lanes, a city staff member. She took a photo saying, I'm so glad about the 83rd Ave bike lane yeah. and the vibrancy it brings. And she took a picture of Garskonastras on the sign. Right. And everyone's like, what's going on? This is great. And I biked 
that later that day saw them everywhere. They were at several points along the route, basically every major entrance and exit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was very fun placemaking. Every time you cycled through, it was like, Gerskonistra. I love it. I love it. Exactly. Um, Within days, the city was scraping Gerskonistras off the signs, probably because CTV did a story that basically said, hey, look at these awesome signs. Look at these awesome signs. We finally have <laughs> placemaking and the city agreeing on a fun, great way to just like unite the community in a harmless manner. And we got to scrape it off. They do no harm to the sign. They do no harm to anybody trying to use the bike lane. They don't offend anyone. I don't understand. The most hilarious part to me personally is there was a photo shared by the Edmonton Edmonton bikes. uh, They're not the commuters anymore. Right. But of the city worker actually scraping the name off. And the city worker's having a hell of a time. Like, this is high quality vandalism. Um, This is not a city of champions sign vandalism. No, no. This is good. Which makes me think that someone... It's art. Let's call it art. It's art. Um, It's placemaking is what it is. It is. Um, But right beside that picture... It was a couple of weeks ago I had called in a bylaw complaint about a pickup truck parked just indiscriminately on the sidewalk, blocking the whole thing, still on, idling. I'm like, hey, bylaw, can we deal with this? And they said, we'll send an enforcement officer out there within three to five business days. And if the truck is still there, we'll issue a ticket. Meanwhile, there's a picture of a sign worker dispatched immediately scraping that off. Incredible. Uh, It shows where the priorities are in the city. Just incredible. A city that hates fun. And on the final fun hating point, uh, we'll mention Keeler Point Viewing Area, which had its official ribbon cutting ceremony this week. It is no longer the end of the world. (laughs) Over my dead body will it no longer (laughs) be the end of the world. Um, But yeah, so end of the world, the famous place where you'd go smoke pot, dangle your smoke pot. Illegally then, legally now, yep. um, dangle your feet over the edges of Get a good the photo. former pilings where there used to be the Keeler Bridge. It's no longer, and there's now these very sterile railings and paths, and it's... It's lost the spark. It's lost that fun. This is what very much frustrates me, is a lot of people with the Garskonistras and the Oliver Bond have said, well, the city has a naming process. Just submit to that and go through the process. Sure, we had a name for end of the world, and now it's called Keeler Point Viewing Area. Are we going to call the Garskonastras the 83rd Ave bike route inclusive of 99th Street to 111th Street? <laughs> I mean, that's... What an incredible name. What an incredible name. Um, we're over time. We're over time. That's all we're going to do. That's all you're going to get for this week. And because we're so crunched for time, we don't even have time to pay our own bills by making talky talk with our mouths. So we're going to share this clip from AHS, who was kind enough to record it for us. We asked these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. Maybe if someone had a seizure or a heart attack, I would go to emergency if I was paralyzed or like broke something. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt. If you have an emergency or if you're not sure, we're here to help. Know your options. Call HealthLink at 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. And that's all for this week. We'll probably have some holdover stuff to cover next week, but the primary focus of that episode is actually going to be with a guest. We're going to have Duncan Kinney of Progress Alberta. He's going to come join us and talk a little bit about our housing strategy and how affordable housing could perhaps be approved in Edmonton. Yeah, we could do it better. Because council's done. 
these counselors, they said, oh, Milner, this is so stressful on my last week. I'm out. And they're not going to deal with any city council stuff for about a month. They'll come back middle of August. After next week, we're also going to take a couple week break and then we'll join you for the pre-council, pre-season. Let's get amped. Full of that summer sport. Criticism. We're going to criticize everything that happened over the summer. Taproot has a couple things you want to highlight before we're done. Very quickly, I know that it doesn't feel like summer sometimes uh, with all the rain we've been getting, but we have published our 2019 Summer Festival Guide. Uh, You can check that out and plan the rest of your summer through to the end of September. And a very quick plug, we are launching a new roundup in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And you can sign up for it already, actually, at taprootedmonton.ca. I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.